the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420, The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good morning, everybody. Well, uh, it was a beautiful Friday. It's going to be a cold Saturday, it looks like, though. So uh, anyway, just start off positive. The tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. Thomas Jefferson. Boy, that nobody spoke like that guy. <laughs> nobody wrote like that guy, for that matter. Uh, I don't know if you've ever read the Declaration of Independence, but uh, it is probably one of the great documents of all time, that in the... Uh, the English version of it, which uh, if, if you've ever been to the London Museum, British Museum, it's wonderful. Uh, anyway, we uh, always recommend that you uh, head to WHK 1420 AM if you want to find any material that we, we talk about on this show. Uh, you know, my personal opinion is, is that a lot of this material is stuff that you should read. You know, whether you're going to act on it or not, you should read it. Okay. It's very important. Uh, we do have a newsletter every week. So if uh, not every week, every month uh, that we send out, uh, we do have a weekly update. Uh, you know, you can qualify for either one of those uh, by just going to the web, you know, to WHK 1420 local podcast down to Tim Hayes or Smart Investor Show and uh, just hit the, you know, contact me, email me, that type of thing. Uh, and we'll talk about those on the way. By the way, while you're there, you know, we've been talking about interest rates being lower for longer. Matter of fact, Bob Dickey, uh, in our seminar in May, he said, uh, what did you notice about the interest rates? And some very bright uh, person said they're still in a downtrend and they're still in a downtrend. So they've been in a downtrend since basically uh, the Carter administration. Uh, <laughs> and, and when Reagan took over, uh, a guy named Volcker, Picked up the uh, the baton at the Fed and and just made my money tighter. So it's it's very interesting. We, you know, where everybody says, "Oh, you got to watch for interest rates going up and up and up." And we've been just saying, "Hey, they're going to stay lower for longer." Uh, usually, by the way, after a period of this time, interest rates stay down for a long time. Also, I've been I've been talking about the the credit workbook, the Savvy Investor's Credit Workbook. You got to use both sides of your balance sheet, folks. Uh, you know, you got to know your credit side. You got to know, you know. In any accounting situation, what you do to one side, you got to do the other. So uh, you should be understanding credit. Uh, you know, I always talk about lines of credit or credit access lines, whatever you want to call them. And I said, 99% of the time, you don't use them. It's that 1% that's important. Okay. Um, we do have a thing called Global Best Income Ideas. The best ideas there. Uh, that's a long thing. I'm not so sure I'm going to send that out to everybody. But if you want some ideas, I, I'd be glad to talk to you about it. Uh, and we've been talking about convertible bonds, and convertible bonds actually have not been doing too well, so it might be a good opportunity to buy. Remember, converts have beat the S&P 500 by an average of 2.6% annually since 1973, and that's with a beta of just three-quarters of, of or 75% of what the market offers you. So uh, less vo volatility, more uh, more return. And I keep talking about this, and I, nobody's nobody sent in for it, so this is good. Global energy best ideas. Energy is at this lowest valuation, according to the, uh, uh, the S&P 500, in history. And I don't think oil is going away. It's my humble opinion. What's interesting was when oil was 26, it's now 50 and some change, 54 and some change. Uh, oil stocks have gone down another 60% since then. So oil's actually doubled, and the stocks have gone down. Isn't that interesting? Very interesting. You know, we talked about uh, our dividend growth portfolio and uh, and that type of thing. And, uh, you know, last year was a tough year for most uh, 
of the dividend portfolios. The S&P 500 was down 4.4%. So wasn't this. It was down 46 actually. Uh, but year-to-date, it's up 21.9% versus the S&P of 20.6%. So it's, it's outperforming again. And, uh, you know, over a 13-year period, it's uh, it's had the same return as the S&P 500, uh, but it's, it's also had uh, about 70% of the volatility. So uh, if you'd like the dividend growth portfolio, once again, go to WHK1420AM, uh, go to local podcast down at Tim Hayes and uh, let us know. You know, on September 24th, the House of Representatives announced that it would open an impeachment inquiry about the uh, against the current president, potentially initiating the fourth such proceeding in U.S. history, uh, uh, Johnson, Nixon, and Clinton. Uh, the questions for the investor was, what happens to the stock market during these periods of time? And Look, after the uh, Nixon impeachment uh, proceedings were announced, the conference board uh Index, you know, Consumer Conference Board Index fell to 28. I think that was the lowest, uh, almost one of the lowest of all time. And, uh, you know, that was back in the 70s. So it's important to note that during the impeachment uh, transpired during an ongoing structural bear market, uh, driven by the Arab-Israeli war and a real big spike in oil prices and and high uh, inflation. However, the trends were very different during the Clinton impeachment proceedings from the formal announcement of impeachment. Uh, I think it was October 8th of 1999. Why do they always do it in October? I don't know. Uh, to the acquittal in, in, in February uh, of 1999, uh, the, S- the Consumer Confidence Index jumped 12% and the S&P 500 jumped 28%. So the, the lessons of this are two different very scenarios in the underlying fundamentals of the economy are more likely to drive the stock market than what's happening in Washington, D.C., uh, sometimes, you know, look, they, they have their their days, you know, uh, like the tariff scenario is kind of driving the market right now. Uh, so there we go. Anyway, I met with a uh, – and they said I could talk about this, so I'm going to. Um, I met with a, 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 a two brothers this week. Uh, actually, it was last week. And, you know, they were telling – they told me they were short selling. And I asked them, uh, you know, how long they've been short selling. They hadn't been short selling long. And I said, you know – you better be careful because if there's positive news on the tariff scenario, your shorts are going to be, you're going to be looking ugly really quick. And they said, ah, we watch it fairly closely. I said, you know, with shorts, the end loss can be, uh, you know, it can be infinity. <laughs> so you got to be careful. And uh, once again, you know, like Friday, Mr. Trump had a positive tweet. Boom, we're off to the races. So, I think you want to stay with good companies for the time being, and I, I do think we're in a structural bull market, and I, uh, I'll say that for the next probably 10 years probably. Well, look, I, I listened to an economic report this week uh, from Tom Porcelli uh, of RBC, and I thought it was kind of interesting. First of all, he had a couple points, and, and I didn't, I'm not going to go over the whole thing, but he had a couple points I thought I'd make. Uh, number one, oil futures. You know, he mentioned that if you take a look at the, the oil future contracts going out to the fourth quarter of 2020, the price would be $50.60. It's now 54 and some change. Second thing he said uh, is if we look at the sentiment, and that's the AA, American Association of Individual Investors, bulls minus bears, as a very contrary indicator, is a total green light. Then he talked about the Citigroup economic surprise, and he says, that's a green light, uh, but it, it you know it was a green light a couple months ago. So uh, there we go. Now he also said the sentiment, the conference board consumer confidence uh, present situation is less than expected. It's just elevated levels is what he's tra- talking about. But uh, and then the, uh, another thing he talked about was the semiconductors. You know, a leading cyclical uh, showing stabilization. By the way, I'm seeing if I look at the long term charts of industrials, financials, and semiconductors, I'm seeing. You know, I mean, to drive you crazy, it's going up and down, you know, five or six percent each time. But, you know, remember, semiconductors were the first group to sell off in 2017. So before the rest of the market sold off in 2018, the semis were already selling off. So they've they've got a, a, a ways to go. The other thing he talked about was the S&P 500 forward price earnings ratio. And it's just at 16 and a half. You know, the average is about 15.8. So it, we're not really expensive, okay? And he talked about the value stocks being very, very cheap, which I'd agree. 
Now, if I look at the S&P 500 yield versus the 10-year Treasury note, uh, the S&P 500 looks pretty attractive with a 2.1% yield. By the way, the dividend growth portfolio is about a 2.4, and the prime income list is about a 4.2. So there's some really interesting things here. And that, you know, he talked about that being a, a, a pretty good buying opportunity, he thinks. So, you know, I mentioned that. Uh, um, I, I've been talking about that for some time. The dividend growth portfolio and the prime income list are something you should take a look at, uh, and you should probably throw in our newsletter. Now, he did. We did talk about consumer debt, and one of you know one of my favorite aspects, uh, I think, of, of Porcelli's uh, presentation was he said the you know in the current cycle the use of consumer credit has been con- curtailed, and wages are responsible for determining determining closer to eighty percent of the spending. So. People are actually staying within their means. Wouldn't it be great if the U.S. government did it? <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, so not only are higher wages likely to have a greater impact on spending, that is typically true, but the underusage of debt by consumers reduces the risk of consumer uh, credit defaults. That's a big positive, I think. Uh, so, you know, consumer debt is best taken into account in terms of income. Uh, and, and if you're you're staying within your means, it's very good. So if you add the mortgage to consumer debt, you know, we're just looking at 9.7% of the paycheck, which is, uh, I think, important. Um, I did notice that the September ISM uh, survey w- was a negative data point. You know, it, it dipped down to 47%. Uh, and, you know, the problem is, is that it could turn on, on a dime. And we know what that dime is. It's called tariff. All right. So, uh, by the way, I mentioned oil earlier. Uh, you know, Credit Suisse lowered their price, even with the Saudi scenario. So, you know, um, somebody asked me the other day, we were talking about bonds, and he said, where is the value on the yield curve? And I think the best place to put money to work, uh, you know, I, I mentioned preferreds, and boy, the preferreds are breaking out left and right. Now, you, you don't want to buy them up, okay? You want to buy preferreds when they're down, uh, simply because they get called. So, uh you know, we'll leave it at that. Look, right now we've had a change, and uh, while the short to intermediate bullish percents for stocks and equity funds have reversed down, it seems interesting they've reversed down, and then we have a big rally. Um, <laughs> you know, most of the equity groups remain they may positive; they just don't they don't have leadership. Okay, the percent positive trend for most equity funds is around fifty percent. You know, above fifty percent is around eighty four percent. So most equity funds are still doing okay. Uh, there's short-term selling pressure is all that it's coming down to. Uh, and we've had a number of changes in the bullish percent in the last year. I mean, almost five this summer. The problem is we're not seeing leadership. And, and that's that's what we have to see. Uh, you know, like I talk about the sideways pattern, industrials, semiconductors, financials, et cetera. But they got to break out. Okay, that, that'll show leadership. And the, and the dollar continues to strengthen. So it does look like there's some sector rotation to consumer uh, discretionary, and uh, I'll just leave that as it is. I was going to talk about Alan Robinson, but we don't have time, so we, we'll come back. Stay tuned. This is Smart Investor Show. Okay, we're back. If you just tuned in, this is uh, my name's Tim Hayes, and this is Smart Investor Show. And uh, if you didn't hear the first part of the show, you'd like to hear it, just go to WHK 1420 AM and go to local podcast down to Tim Hayes, Smart Investor Show, and you can hear it. By the way, if you don't like getting up at 7 o'clock to hear this, uh, it's podcast all over the place, but you can pick up it pick it up on WHK on Tuesdays at noon. It rebroadcasts for as many times you want to hear it. You know, Alan Robinson uh, runs our uh, a lot of our portfolios uh, and our foreign equities, our ADR list, et cetera. And, um, you know, he, he talked uh, Friday about what's been happening and the FTSE was up three quarters of a percent on Friday. Um, and domestically focused shares have rallied very sharply there and on optimism that Brexit could be reached. Now, this this followed the EU Council uh, President uh, Donald Tusk. Uh, stating that it's seen some promising signals about the chance of a fresh Brexit agreement between the UK and EU. Uh, and importantly, you know, uh, uh, Boris Johnson has characteristically said nothing, uncharacteristically said nothing, I'm sorry, implying he's embraced the reality of a situation and has offered significant concessions. Now, look, 
while the performance of the FTSE uh, all, all share today are dominated by U.K. banks for the most part, uh, he sees some things happening that could be very, very positive. Uh, and there would be a lot of things that would, what, what, he, he, what Alan called was unwinding of Brexit discounts. So uh, the defensive stocks, you know, uh, some of the, you know, the uh, uh, British, British names that are in tobacco or drugs, whatever, were the, the, the stocks that were down. So it would be interesting. Uh, but if Brexit goes, I think Alan's right. I think things are going to get interesting very, very quick over Britain. So the ADR list is another list that you can get from us. Uh, things are, I, I am seeing a move across the board to more developed markets internationally, okay, if that helps. Now, here's some things I've seen. Uh, the Internet sector, which had was was way up there at a 5.5 uh, uh, score on Dorsey Wright system. As you know, they provide us with our, our the the, uh, uh, the bullish percent and a few other good ideas. Uh, and now we're at 2.5. And I think, you know, uh, that's interesting because we've been talking about the, fa- you know, we, we Lori Calcivina, our head strategist, has been saying that the fangs were not the place to be since last summer. And sure enough, they've underperformed. Isn't that interesting? So uh, now what's also interesting is the real estate, which we talked about in, in March through May of uh, 2018, has gone from uh, being one of the lowest scores to one of the highest scores. And uh, that's that's been a good one. Now, I, we did see a change on Thursday, which I thought was interesting. And uh, in dynamic asset level investing, large cap value had been dead last it moved up to the second to dead last, and it and it jumped. It got quite a few uh, different. Uh, uh, I mean, it went, went up to like nine votes, which isn't a lot, but uh, it is number eight. But it's moved up. Now, it'll be interesting to see if it starts to t- overtake a couple other you know uh, groups like uh, they have the the blends, you know, the mid cap, large cap blend, small cap blends. So, but uh, you know, you heard it here first. Remember, I said last week that. Value for the first time had outperformed growth in years. I mean, we had a 3.5% difference uh, uh, during that period of time. So, look, uh, there was a lot of posturing this week ahead of the U.S.-China talks, uh, and it really frayed investors' nerves, and that, that's why the bullish percent turned down. Uh, the problem here is that, you know, if you're, you're, you're basing this on tweets. So if, if, you know, like Friday, President Trump had a very positive tweet and the next thing we know, the market's up 480, okay? So uh, if Monday they do something positive, it could be up 1,000 points. And this is the first time that I, you know, I have insurance contracts where I, I move in and out due to the, uh, uh, the bullish percent. I didn't call those people uh, simply because – the number one asset class is is domestic equities, and I just thought it was, you know, uh, look, they're very contentious trade talks, but I think they both want to settle at least something, you know, get something in the right direction. So, uh, now look, normally uh, when you have the bullish percent turned down in the column of O's, you get a little bit more defensive. Now, remember I said the, the domestic equities are the number one asset class, so the question is where do you get defensive? And, uh, look, if I look at the the, uh, the number of uh, uh, breakdowns in the in New York Stock Exchange bullish percent starts, it's important to understand that the New York Stock Exchange is comprised of a of form of a size and style standpoint. You know, uh, while we examine the the New York Stock Exchange bullish percent stock universe, we almost have half of it is small caps. Okay, so. Uh, you know, 44% of those are uh, uh, of the track securities. So what we're seeing is it was just 10% of the large cap value. I mean, the large cap stocks that broke down and it was 20% of the small cap. So they really set, set us uh, apart. Okay. Uh, now we got sell signals in 46% of uh, 49% of the growth stocks uh, in, in large cap, 53 in mid and 65% in small. And then in value, we did a 46, 50, and 65. So you can see it's more in the growth area than it is in the, in the value area. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, so 
what do we do? We're kind of in the yellow zone. We're not in the red zone because we're we're not at over seventy, uh, but we're you know we're at forty two right now. Uh, we're down six percent on the S. I mean on the New York Stock Exchange uh, bullish percent last week. But here's some ideas. Okay, maybe you substitute ETS for individual stocks if you want to buy some stuff. You maybe sell some stocks or buy some calls. That way you have less money involved. Uh, you can consider buying protective uh, put options on, on uh, individual equities. Uh, now, I waited a week to do this because I, I was having a feeling we'd have a, a, a positive meeting this week. You can tighten up some stop, lo- stop losses. And I would just start to watch for deterioration in technical attributes. And I don't even know. We may have turned up on the bullish percent this week. I, I you know that That's how much we're moving back and forth. So – you just want to take a little bit more defensive posture. This, you know, if 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 Monday there is no deal, I think you got a problem. Okay, uh, you know, and and if there is no deal, we could be down another eight hundred points. You never know. So if that occurs, you know, reduce a little equity exposure, raise some cash, hold on to the strong relative strength sectors. Only eleven. Okay, sell the weak sectors, sell the laggards, uh, use trend line stops. That's a very important thing, I think. So. Uh, Anyway, so I, I was looking at, th- at charts, and I listened to Bob Schleimer, who's from Funstrat this week, and he had some really good ideas. And I listened to Bob Dickey, and he had, you know, it's amazing these guys, uh, between the two of them, come up, you know, with Dorsey Wright, Bob, and Bob, or Rob, uh, there's a lot of good ideas, and there's a lot of s- stuff that makes sense. So it's like watching paint that won't dry. That's what the equity markets are. Uh and they remain trapped in a trading range, and they're held hostage to the on-again, off-again trade discussions. And I think the importance of market levels is coming. Uh, but I keep talking about the the four-year cycle, and it should start somewhere between the fourth quarter and the and the beginning of the first quarter. So I just keep revisiting that theme, the timing of that theme. We're getting very close, so don't get, get carried away. Uh, also, semiconductor. Uh, in contrast to weak economic data, semiconductors are particularly noteworthy as their relative performance versus the S&P 500. They're beginning to test all-time highs on that. So uh, now I am starting to see some of the, the staples negatively diverging. I don't think you have to sell them, but, you know, you just should know that. Uh, software is the weekly momentum is very oversold. They got hit hard. Uh, some of the discretionary re- uh, leadership is now coming into play, which is good. Uh, industrials. Beautiful long-term charts, all right? And here's something I noticed this week, too. And uh, this is not from either one of these two guys. But this week, on on Wednesday, there were 2.5 puts bought for every call. Now, a put is you're betting on the downside. And usually, you know, it's what they call skewed to one side or the other. That was a five-year high. Uh, so, you know, usually when that happens, you, you're going to have a, a bullish scenario. Uh the four-year cycle here is, I think, is important because it it starts to turn up somewhere along here, and I'm also starting to see that the you know if I look at the big picture, the weekly monthly momentum has been down and starting to turn up, and it looks exactly, exactly like the 2013 to 2016 time frame. So, uh, you know, we we seem to be bottoming every time we go down the 200-day moving average, with the exception of last fall. We seem to be bottoming, and uh, so we'll see what happens. I did notice the Russell broke uh, through the downtrend line, which is just a line that we we, we go on descending tops uh, to relative performance versus the S&P 500. Now, is it, if it was a turn up here, that would be really interesting. And the U.S. dollar uh, has been flip-flopping, and it's emerging from a trading range of you know 96 to 98 area. It is making a wedge, and usually with a wedge, there's a break either direction, and it's usually a strong break. Um, so we'll look to see that. Remember the dollar, a lot of it is based on treasury bonds and, you know, the 10 and 30 year treasuries, because a lot of foreign money is coming in to buy them because there is no yield anywhere else. And they're using dollars. Now the hedge funds are buying bonds on heavy margin. That's not good, especially near lows. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, I've been talking about, uh, you know, bond yields being very, very oversold. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. And crude oil futures, um, you know, they keep retesting and bouncing, you know, between 50 and 56. You know, we said there'd be a move to, we thought it would be 70. We got to 66. It wasn't, you know, whatever. But remember, the crude oil futures, the big contract is 
for fifty sixteen in two thousand twenty. So, <laughs> gold futures um, still look good. Uh, you know, long term, uh, short term. I think they're you know they're waiting for the dollar to drop, and hopefully, uh, you know, if you own the gold, that that happens. I would just like I said, buy it. You know, it's broken out. Buy it coming back to you. And and look, I, a couple things I really kind of like. Uh, some I still like semiconductors a lot. I also like the Consumer Discretionary Group, and um, you know, there's some big names in there that look, look awfully good. And I have those names, but you have to call me to get them. <laughs> and then the you know the the financials um, keep this sideways pattern all along, and, and it'll be interesting to see what happens. It's very similar to the industrial sector, although the industrial sector is a little bit choppier, okay? Uh, but the staples, you know, one thing I'm seeing is they broke out, which is great, but their relative performance is kind of stalling at the old December highs from last year, all right? So, uh, you know, maybe they just go sideways. Maybe they pull back to where they broke out from. Uh, but uh, there's still a group that raises their dividend a lot, so stay tuned. Uh, we'll be right back and with the Bullish Percent. Stay tuned. All right, we're back. And uh, once again, um, if you'd like our dividend growth or our prime income list or our best idea list, uh, there's some really some really good names on there, or our monthly newsletter, uh, go to WHK1420. Go to local podcast down to Tim Hayes, Smart Investor Show, and just hit the contact me or email me. Um, you know, and uh, if you'd like to have a cup of coffee, say that too. Uh, want me to call you? That'd be great too. So, um I'm a little behind on the calls. <laughs> Sorry, folks. I'm, I'm about, uh, you know, uh, three or four days behind because uh, of what's been going on in the market. So, uh, but believe me, the, the fact that the prime income list is yielding almost twice what the 30-year treasury and the 10-year treasury is, is very positive. And the, the dividend growth portfolio yielding more than the 30-year treasury. Remember, that dividend is growing. Okay growing about six to eight percent a year just imagine you have stocks that you know if they have a bad year they stay sideways and then your dividend goes up six to eight percent a year that's a good good thing uh now they don't always stay sideways there's some of them that go down some of them go up okay but traditionally they've done a really good job of managing that we can manage that for you you know for a small amount of money and you you don't have to call us you know we can just manage it for you okay um now we're talking about the bullish percent and the bullish uh, percent was uh, uh, designed to to be a risk or orientation type of scenario, and what it does is it is it just tells you when you want to be more cautious. It tells you when distributions happening in the stock market, and and it's it's fairly accurate. Unfortunately, the last six months have been up and down, up and down, up and down. So we've been having these, you know, we've had the. Uh, <laughs> the bullish percent reverse back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth several times. So uh, it, it is driving me a little bit crazy. I'm sure it is if you're listening. So, I, you know, it, it's not perfect. Nothing's perfect. Nothing works 100% of the time, uh, and, and you should know that. However, this, this goes from 0 to 100. When it gets over 70, that's the red zone. That's when everything's too hot to handle, okay? <clears throat> that's when they're talking about, you know, going to 100,000 on CNBC. And then you get in the thir- below 30, that's the green zone. And really what what that tells you is that everybody's you know nobody's opening their 401k statement they're just throwing it in a pile uh they're just tor- thoroughly disgusted with everything and <clears throat> that happens occasionally too uh most of the time we're in between there and w- when we're in a column of x's we put the offensive team on the field at you know baker mayfield behind a, a center and and then we go to a defensive strategy when we go into a column of o's and that's usually when distribution happens now there's other stuff like right now domestic equities are number 1 so you don't have to be as frightened as you do back in 2007 when I said domestic equity is the lowest form of life, okay? Uh, they were last in the relative strength uh, business. So uh, right now, domestic equities are the number one asset class, but we were down 6.8% uh, from Thursday to Thursday. That's a big, that's a, that's a tough market. And I don't, you know, I didn't see what we were after Friday. So, uh, but the over-the-counter index uh, is still in a column of X's, which is interesting, it's very close. It was very close to, to breaking down at 34. It's, it was at 35. I think it was up a couple percentage points on Friday. Uh, the New York Stock Exchange is in a column of, of O's. This is a bunch of stocks. Um, 
and the world index is in a couple of votes, is a column of votes. So we did see a, a turn down, and it was a pretty big. It was down five percent for the week. So uh, uh, up until Friday, and then Friday, I I don't have the statistics. Um, I did notice that you know we we ha- we had the New York Stock Exchange bullish percent, which is the one we you know the key one, and the B, uh, BP of the world uh, turned down. So it'll be interesting to see, but. You know, if you look at the S and P five hundred uh, from January of two thousand nineteen till now, we dropped seven and a half percent. Then we went up ten and a half percent. Then we went down six and a half percent. Then we went up six point seven percent. Then we went down five and a quarter. So uh, the market has had a fair amount of volatility this year, uh, which is interesting. Um, I did notice for the first time that the uh, the Invesco. You know, if I looked at their pure growth versus their pure value ETF, uh, the long story short, value has performed better over the past month by simply not pulling back as much as growth. So, uh, you know, year to date, uh, it's getting more interesting. But, uh, you know, year to date, value is only up 8.5%, where growth is up 14.4%. So uh, there we go. I looked at all the indexes, and I, you know, I, a couple weeks ago I said, you know, Six to seven weeks is a is a long time for an index to be positive. We are up five weeks in a row. Uh, we've all been negative on all the indexes. But they still look great long term. Um, I, I wouldn't be selling anything right here, you know. Um, now, you know, September has been one of the worst months in the market. Uh, did not hold true in 2019. It gained nearly two percent for the month. And just think about it. We had U.S. trade, uh, China, and trade relations. We had the Hong Kong pro. Uh, protests. We had interest rate cuts. We had Brexit. And nonetheless, we did see some volatility return to the market. Uh, and if you look at the, all the major indices, the volatility was up almost 19 point, uh, 15.5%, uh, which is interesting. Um, now, if I look at relative performance, the S&P was up 15.5%. The Nasdaq's up 20. Small caps were up uh, just 82 but if you look at the small cap funds, uh, there's some major resistance. Uh, if, if I'm just looking at the IJR now on the S&P 500 uh, small cap index uh, at 81. If we were to break 81, things could get interesting. Very, 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 very interesting on that. And then again, if we broke 72, uh, we could be a problem too. Now, the S&P 500 came right down to support and a long-term bullish trend line and and turned around. So... Uh, that'll be even more interesting to see if, if, uh, we get that going again, uh, you know, because obviously we made up some ground on Friday. So, uh, you know, if you look at dynamic asset level investing and you look at relative strength, uh, which is important, you know, you want to be in the right stocks, us equities remain the top asset class. Okay. So, uh, there you go. And so you don't want to, this is not the time to fear. Believe me, I'll let you know. <laughs> Uh, when to be fearful? I said in 2007 that the stock market would be would be outperformed by the uh, money market, and the money market was yielding 0.25 percent. So there we go. Now it, we also do the bullish percent for all the groups, and and this is this is the been the tough thing this year. Uh, the group average is at 39.7 percent, and we only have 10 uh, favored sectors. The most we've had this year is 11, and I believe there's 45 groups. So, uh, you know, we haven't had any definition, but, you know, it's been mostly the staples and the and the non-economically um, oriented type stuff like waste management. You know, you got to take out the trash. And electric utilities are at 65. Their favorite building, I think it's been due to low interest rates, by the way, is 60. Real estate, 55. Uh, semiconductors are at 50. That's one of the few... Uh, you know, um, economically sensitive stocks that have been out there. Restaurants and housing, like I said, housing and building have been the two things. And precious metals are at four, at forty. Wall Street and electric utilities are at forty. Uh, I'm, I know, I'm sorry. Uh, electric products are at forty. So electric products is another. You know, that goes to hand in hand with semiconductors. By the way, so we do have some groups that are bull bull confirmed status, but not favored, and that's. Uh, Food and beverages and soap, household goods, non-ferrous metals, uh, retailing, and uh, we did. I did notice that u- utilities and electric. I've been talking about the, you know, th- they look great, but they're they're now way above their. Uh, you know, when you have a trend, you you draw a line up, up, up on the bottom 
with, with the higher lows and then on the top of the higher higher highs. This is above the higher highs now. And that's usually not a good thing. And utilities, uh, I would call them in kind of like a bear alert status. So, uh, you know, that's the problem with the prime income list right now. You've got to be really picky with what you buy. Uh, as far as groups are concerned, uh, medical stocks went or the media went down to zero, basically. Aerospace got whacked. And uh, protection services moved from favored to uh, average. And uh, electric products went to uh, favored status. So that, that's where you want to stay. You know, I'm looking at emerging markets and, uh, and just the foreign markets in general. And I'm, there, there's a lot of causes for the weakness. I think the U.S. dollar is the biggest one. Uh, you know, so I think, you, you know, if you're in foreign stocks, and uh, believe me, a lot of uh, – Money managers are, are in foreign stocks. I am not in, in them that much. I am in them just a little bit. But it's all about the dollar. So until the dollar starts to break, uh, you know, you're not going to make any money in them, I don't think. Unless you're hedged. Okay? So if you hedge it, uh, you know, you should be looking for hedged ETFs uh, in that area. Because a lot of them, are, you know, look like they're making quadruple tops and stuff like that. If they break through that, it would be really positive. So if I looked at bonds, uh, it'd be the U.S. government long bond, the convertible bonds, and general bonds. Uh, they have the best uh, long-term ranking, but the short-term, they're down quite a bit. So uh, I'd, I'd still look at the, uh, you know, the, look, if the long bond breaks 140 on the yield, uh, there's going to be a lot of money going into it. So I'll just say that. Uh, I, I think, uh, you know, the investment-grade bonds are in pretty good shape. I know we did lower our asset allocation to high yield bonds. Okay. So, uh, you know, the investment grade bonds are either making a lower high or they're just about to reverse up. And unfortunately, you know, it's kind of a question mark at this point. Commodities, uh, oil went negative last week on a momentum basis. Gold's been negative for about five weeks. Um, I, I said it'd probably pull back. Copper has uh, outperformed gold for the last five weeks. Copper has been positive for six weeks, which is a long time. And corn, which has been negative for 18 weeks, finally turned positive. Gold prices pushed higher, though, and the momentum has been, um, uh, you know, negative. They backed off. It, you know, made a 20% move and then backed off a little bit. Uh, and support uh, for oil, I think, is in the 51 range. So it'll be interesting to see if it holds. Um, you know, it broke out and came all the way back. Uh, broke out after the Saudi thing and then came all the way back. So we'll see what happens. Relative strength changes. We always talk about those because they're important. Remember, you want to add the best stock and the best sector to your portfolio. And so relative strength is very important. You're looking at trying to look at the best stocks. Uh, some stocks that made relative strength buy signals on the Dorsey Wright system are Beezer Home, MDC Holdings, Miller Herman, Eversource Energy, Turtle Be- uh, Beach Incorporated, Revlon. Remember there was insider buying there. Tower Semiconductor, Vistra Energy, uh, Power Fleet. And then on the sell side, this is where you want to check your, your fundamentals if you own any of these. Angio Dynamics, Diebold Nixdorf, uh, Quajin, Teradata, iRhythm, uh, and then uh, oh, that's it. So let's stay with those. Now, one of the things I did notice is that the relative strength spread uh, was a big snapback. Remember, relative strength stocks were outperforming all year, and then they got hammered, and then they, they sprung back. So... Uh, that's something to to watch, you know. Uh, be interesting to see if the relative strength moves to another some other sectors, and I think the favored sectors will tell us that over the next couple of weeks. So, stay tuned. <laughs> In the meantime, uh, we'll be back with some insider purchases. Stay tuned. Okay, we're back. If you just tuned in, uh, this is Smart Investor Show. And if you want to hear the other, you know, three segments that, you know, you might have just tuned in, um, this is the way radio works, isn't it? Uh, especially when you're cruising out in the car doing doing errands or whatever. Um, just go to WHK 1420 AM and uh, go to local podcasts, go down to Tim Hayes' Smart Investor Show, and uh, it'll it, all that stuff will be there. Uh, you know, if you want to get our best idea list, our, our dividend growth portfolio, our prime income list, just think this, the prime income list is now yielding twice what the 30-year bond is. Isn't that amazing? Uh, anyway, so now we talk about, uh, but by the way, there's all sorts of contact me and email me on there. Uh, if you also want to talk about your portfolio, sit down, have a conversation. Uh, please, you know, don't hesitate to give me a call. My phone number's all over the place there. By the way, while you're there, Bob Dickey uh, is on there every day. Bob is our head technical strategist. 
He's won all sorts of awards. He, we had him in town. He does a great job. Uh, and, uh, you know, he, he, he's right on most of the time. Uh, you know, he basically said back in the spring, this thing ain't over. And he said the year before when he was in town that it wasn't over. Uh, it was just getting started. And um, people didn't listen. But what are you going to do? Uh, anyway, he's there every day. We also have a weekly newsletter, which I highly recommend, and a, and a monthly newsletter. Uh, so there you go. Anyway, uh, so we look at the insiders because um, insiders have uh, a, an intimate knowledge of their company. They're usually early, and we're looking for big buys, not little buys. We're looking for big, big buys. So what we've done here is we started talking about Tom Porcelli's economic stuff in the beginning of the show. We talked about big things. Then we moved down to some technical aspects, bigger, bigger, you know, sectors that we can look at. Then we talked about the overall market on a technical basis by our friends from Dorsey Wright. Now, you know, when we talked about relative strength and we talked about insiders, we're actually talking about ideas. So uh, you got to pay attention is what I'm trying to tell you, because insiders know their company way better than than you do. There is something called the Voya Prime Rate Trust, which is a closed end fund. And there's a group called SABA. It's a 10 percent owner. They just bought $2.8 million worth of the stock. It's around $470. Uh, and then Herion Therapeutics, which got beat up back in May, uh, you know, it was a $24. It was actually a $30 stock back in February. It's now an $18 stock. Kevin Tang, there's a name you should get to know, but five, uh, well, $4.999 million worth. And then, uh, you know, last week, Red Rock Resorts, we had several insider buyers. And it was Lorenzo and Frank uh, Pentith, Pentelli, or uh, I don't know, I can't read my own handwriting. <laughs> anyway, they're they're directors, uh, and they bought three hundred thousand dollars worth of stock, and then two days later they bought another one hundred eighty-five thousand, and that was after last week of where there was a bunch of insiders buying too. So Red Rock Resorts uh, is down from thirty dollars; it's a twenty. Um, there you go. Assured guarantee. Uh, the chief investment officer. That's a pretty smart guy. Usually, this is a forty-eight dollar stock. It's now around forty-four. Uh, the chief investment officer made four purchases: one of five twenty-one, five hundred twenty-one thousand, one of five hundred nineteen, then two more of three sixty and three nineteen <clears throat> over that period of time. So, now I will say this: insiders have not been showing up very much. Remember, I just told you uh, back in in the summer. I had saw some of the biggest insider buying I've seen for a long, long time. And I don't know if they've used all their money or what, but uh, my insider list has shrunk. All right. I don't know what that means yet, but uh, I want you to think about it. Okay. If you got, you got an idea, give me a call. Um, now I'm going to talk to you a little bit about what I'm thinking and uh, you know, some of the things I've seen. And one of the things, you know, I look at charts every day. Okay, that's what the first thing I do when I get into my office, uh, I, either answering the phone. While I'm answering the phone, I'm looking at charts, okay? And um, I've had the least number of charts in almost three years. Uh, well, no, I should say one year because uh, back in uh, October, the second week of October, it, it dried up, okay? And um, it, it's very interesting, uh, you know, when it dries up like this, you know, maybe you should be buying, you know, who knows. But uh, the problem is right now is that if Mr. Trump tweets that everything's gone down south uh, on Monday, uh, you know, you got to look out below again. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I do think the fourth quarter will be a turning point uh, some sometime in the turn over the two year period anyway. But look, we've had very high vol- volatility and it's probably going to continue in the in the market indexes. But the the net result of the past few months has been. You know, the Dow and the S&P have traded within a 3% of their all-time highs, but it's in a 5% range. And so I think the talk of a possible recession is being offset by other areas of the economy that continue to show growth. And uh, the combination has contributed to a stock market that has been largely trendless for several months, several, like 18. Uh, Now, I I looked at a couple things and I saw gold kind of turned over and uh, it looks like it broke a, a double bottom. So it, it's kind of in a formation, what they call a shakeout formation. So it's shaking out the, the uh, weak hands. Now, the other thing I've noticed is that the, the amount of assets under management in passive U.S. Uh, equity funds has uh, surpassed the assets in active funds. And here we have Vanguard, who's got the biggest control of passive 
assets telling you to go to active management. Isn't that interesting? So um, anyway, we did see the bullish percent reverse down. And like I said, I, I talked to people with insurance contracts that usually we move with this and we didn't move. <laughs> uh, and I didn't even, I didn't even call a couple people cause I just, I didn't want to move them. Uh, I, I just felt suspicious with the Chinese, you know, thing coming up here, the, the, the tariff meeting. So look, you know, everybody's been talking about the last 10 years, how bad the market is or how good, you know, but in the, in the 10 year period, we're still in an uptrend. Now, the problem is, you know, we, we, we have a nice move and then, uh, we, we get beat up for a couple of years, uh, but it's still in a bull market and it's not going away. So uh, I, I mentioned that and in, in, in sincerity and in that, you know, you do have some rough times, but the place to have been has been the stock market. It's up 114 percent from the low. And by the way, if it goes up another 100 percent and then goes up another 100 percent, that's somewhere between 80 and 100,000 on the Dow Jones. <laughs> and usually you go up about 400%, 500%, uh, sometimes 1,000% in bull markets. So just remember that. Uh, that's why, so next time you're getting bearish, remember that. So gold appears to be headed back to test the support around 1350. And I said, if, you know, if it held 1400, I wouldn't be surprised, or 1420. Uh, and I think that's a good thing. You know, uh, you, you know, look, everybody started talking about it, and that's when you don't want to buy something. You know, when they start talking about it on CNBC uh, is the time to sell something, not to buy it. So, uh, but it was amazing. You know, I looked at the Dow, and I talked about the support levels last week, and we went right to the support level and turned. And so it, it's it's really kind of a – that's a bullish scenario. So we, we've made a couple higher lows now. And uh, I said, you know, it would probably be sloppy, but be look the fourth quarter. And, and, you know, look, the fourth quarter could stretch into the first couple weeks of January. So it still could be sloppy, uh, especially if we don't have a trade deal on Monday uh, or at least a partial trade deal. Um, but, you know, you, you look at the stock market and you – since January – 28th of, of 2018, we don't have much to talk about, all right? Uh, and I think the key was, you know, uh, like our friends at Marshfield were uh, were, were up last year. Uh, and if you were up and then you had this year going for you, uh, like they're up uh, big this year, um, it's very important that they, you know, they give that opportunity uh, because what it does is if you're not down in the down years, and you're up in the big years, you're doing your job, okay? Uh, th- they were in town, by the way, at our last seminar, too. Uh, so one of the things we did see this week was the relative strength uh, and the relative performance of the S&P versus value p- ticked up. Uh, the other thing is the, the relative strength of growth has been in an uptrend, and we're right at the uptrend line right now. So it'll be interesting to see if it cracks and uh, then my growth theory, I mean, growth versus value theory will, will come into play. All right. So I will say this one more time. The 10 year treasury yield is very oversold and the momentum indicators are very oversold. Uh, I don't think you want to be buying bonds right here. This could be a triple bottom in the yields dating back to 2012. Uh, that, that would be, uh, you know, a, that could mean we're at a bottom. Okay. Who knows? I don't know if it's a long-term bottom or not, but it, you know, we could be at a, a short-term bottom, but remember we want to buy yield when it's up and there's a lot more yield in the S and P 500 and the prime income list and the dividend growth list than there is in the bond market right now. All right. And that yield is expanding every year. Okay. Remember we're looking at in a dividend growth portfolio. We're looking at companies that grow their dividends six to 8% a year. That's how you, you make good money over the long term. Good conservative money over long term, by the way. All right. So um, anyway, what would I do now? Uh, look, if, if I, I'm beating a dead horse, I think. But I think it's very, very important um, that yet. And if you haven't seen this chart, you should have coffee with me. But if you look at the value chart versus the growth chart, uh, it is where it was in 2000. Remember, growth got killed in 2000 and we're starting to see some of the equipment sales in the bigger areas, the, you know, the big software companies, the sales are not coming in as brisk as we'd like. Uh, it's actually PCs are picking up. 
Isn't that interesting? And by the way, the average PC is about five and a half years old, um, and the average storage piece that's attached to it is about seven years old. So it'll be interesting to see if we get a cycle on that too. So um, I think what you want to be looking for is dividend growth and and prime income list for con, for conservative part of your portfolio. Now, your the best ideas. Some of these have been on the list for a while, so you got to be kind of careful, especially the prime income list. Like I said, you know, some of the, there's some utilities on here. Utilities are up a lot, and I I don't think you want to buy them right here. I think you got to be use your head. That's why I when I send these out, I tell people, hey, you know, be careful. Matter of fact, the last two people I talked to about it, I said, hey, be be careful with it, okay? Because um, it it is something that you have to pay very close attention to. But those are things that I would be getting, and the way to get them, and if you want to get our newsletter also. Just go to uh, WHK fourteen twenty AM, and and go to local podcasts. Uh, go down to Tim Hayes. By the way, they got my podcast going back a pretty, a, I think a year and a half or two. I mean, it's a long way. Uh, they also, you know, podcast that uh, it comes on at Tuesday at noon. Uh, so there's some other podcasts. It, it, I, I'm podcasting on other things. I'm just making it easy for you. Uh, so if you missed it this weekend or you want to hear more of it, you know, you can uh, tune in on Tuesday. But you know. Uh, if you want to have a cup of coffee, just go there. Hit the contact me or email me. In the meantime, it's going to be a cold day, I think, uh, uh, our first cold day. Welcome to Ohio. Stay tuned for next week. This is Tim Hayes, The Smart Investor Show. Buy low, sell high. Thanks for listening to The Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.